When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, my co-host, Chad Cruz. And Chad, we are in the top 25. Top 25 of what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we we, we were recognized by a Feet Spot, which is a blog out there, and they ranked Bulletproof, the Bulletproof Podcast number 14 on their top 25 action movie podcasts you must follow. Oh my! So okay. they're, they're saying you must follow us, and we're fourteen out of twenty-five. I think by this time next year, we could easily be twelve or thirteen. And, and I, I find that uh, you must follow them. That may not be threatening enough. I think we should. There should be a threat attached to that, right? You must follow or die. Okay, there we go. See if they had put that as the headline, we're guaranteed more followers. Or well. We probably have to follow through with at least one of the threats, and then it gets messy. I know, whatever. But and I could think of somebody we could sacrifice, and here he's here right now. RTG is back. The real Todd Gaines. Welcome back to the show. I'm from Bulletproof Action, and I say, kill them all. There you go. He's in the mood, and so uh, he really did. And uh, RTG, how have you been? You know, Chris, I've been well. Thank you very much. And I was just thinking about that list too how we made number 14 and I'm just trying to think of how bad those other 11 podcasts are. Well, and well, I don't know about the other, but how many other podcasts are there? Like, let's hope there's not just like 26 action movie podcasts. Yeah. That would make this less impressive. If there's like a thousand action movie podcasts being number 14 is pretty awesome. Right. Right. It, you know, top 25 of anything is usually a good thing. Um, but like you say, if there's only like a, 11, and then the rest of them were just made up for the list. I mean, now we have to crack some skulls. All right. Well, uh, we do want to remind everybody to check out bulletproofaction.com, which is the official website of the Bulletproof Podcast. And there's something new there each and every day. Uh, I know we're going to have uh, some Mandalorian coverage is continuing. We just uh, wrapped up Warrior and uh, a lot more coming up in December. Um, and Joe, again, just check us out each and every day, something new bulletproofaction.com. But right now, guys, let's get into our topic of discussion for this episode. It is starship troopers. If you had not figured it out by, I don't know the link that you clicked on or 
what RTG said just a bit ago. Uh, Starship Troopers was released on November 7th, 1997, which, how old were you, Chad? That was your birthday. That how was my birthday. I turned 14 that day, and I was in theaters to see this film on opening okay. night. Very good. That's a great way to spend your birthday. And uh, this one, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, and we start off uh, with some federal network propaganda. And this is seen throughout the film and very similar to what Verhoeven did in RoboCop with the uh, news breaks and the commercials. Um, you kind of get this and we kind of get some of the backstory here. And Klandathu is shooting meteorites at Earth. And Klandathu is a bug planet, basically. And they're, they're declaring war on planet Earth. Yeah, to, to say I was a bit confused by this, like when it first kicked off, I, I really didn't know what to expect. I'd seen the trailer uh, when I watched, I don't know, Mars Attacks or some other movie um, earlier that year. But uh, I wasn't certain that this movie had any clue what it was doing. I was like thinking like, all right, we're, I'm going to go into this gritty, dirty, grimy, aliens, like, you know, wannabe film or this crazy action. And then it starts with like a news propaganda th clip. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the news propaganda clip is telling me about some planet that has a name. And now they're like openly attacking us. So it was very different from what I expected, but, but different in a good way, I guess, because who wants to just rehash the same shit? Right. And, and we learn about, you know, enlisting guarantees you citizenship um, and, and the tagline, would you like to know more is in there, which again, this, this follows throughout, but how great of an enemy is it to have bugs? I mean, cause who really likes, I mean, there's always those weird kids that like bugs, but for the most part, right. you, you see a bug in your house, you're going to stomp it. Um, at least I know I do. What about you, RTG? If I see a bug, I'm going to give him a Ron Garvin Garvin stomp, man. There's no way, uh, you know, bugs, bugs suck, man. Bug, a uh, bug is the ultimate enemy. However, if everything was to blow up, the only surviving species would probably be an ugly bug. You're, you're probably right. Yeah, that is that is what they say. So then the movie goes one year earlier from from what we started off with with this news news uh, propaganda piece, and we go to I, I guess the these are high school. Is this high school? I would yeah, think high so. school. So you have, we meet Johnny Rico, played by the one and only Casper Van Dien, and he's doodling uh, a picture of himself and his infatuation, Carmen Ibanez, who is played by Denise Richards. Uh, quite the little doodle pad he's got there, Chad Cruz. That's a cool little doodle pad, as you put it. Um, it reminds me of some of the doodle pads that are out there today that do other things as well, but um, I was more focused, uh, particularly on the, uh, luscious lips of Denise Richards. Well, yeah. And, and I would assume so. And I, you know, I'm sure that was everybody's take, especially back in 1997. Um, cause I'll tell you what, when I watched this, uh, and I may as well just get this out of the way. She, she's not very good as an actress. I, I'm sure I knew, knew that back then, but uh, obviously other things took precedent, but She's horrible. And I like to comment on that. Um, she has tiger blood in her. Oh, yeah. She was married to Charlie Sheen and right. she had children with Charlie Sheen. So that right. means there's been some 
tiger blood, uh, at least some kind of tiger something in her. And I think you, tiger fluid, thank you. You hit it right on the the, the head right there. Uh, Denise Denise Richards, uh, her acting ability is not going to win any Oscars. No. I mean, not at all. I mean, it, it probably wouldn't get nominated for a Razzie. I mean, she's yeah, just, yeah. She's, I, I, I don't. Again, I, I've seen this movie before. It's been a while since since I watched it, but man, she's not good. I think part of the reason could be she she was kind of propelled into this position where she had to carry scenes or or act as uh, like you know what was it the scientist in the one James Bond film? Yeah, like a nuclear scientist or something. Right. So she's put in a position where she should not be. She should just spend seven or eight films early in her career as like background girl or, you know, the wild things girl, wild things girl. Yeah. Something like that. But she, she, she didn't have that, that, uh, that happened. And and now she's just a train wreck as an actress. Yeah. So between like just her poor acting and then she's not really a, a real great character either. Just basically what happens between her and Johnny Rico as it goes on. So, I don't know. I, I had a much different feeling about her than probably I did back when this was first released. And right. as you said, her luscious lips and whatnot yes. uh, were, were a bit more distracting back then. Uh, so anyway, the teacher, the great Michael Ironside, and uh, they're involved in a citizens versus civilians discussion. Um, and would either of you like to weigh in on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny scene. Michael Ironside is, is, uh, He's going on and on about the the differences between citizens and civilians in in their uh, civilization, I guess, their society. And he's walking around putting his little stub on people, calling on them with his little stubby arm. Um, at the at the time, we don't we don't know why he has the arm. Um, I guess assumptions could be made, but later on, we find out just how it happened, and it makes that scene seem so much cooler. Yeah, and we also now learn that Carmen, RTG, wants to be a pilot with the Fleet Academy. And a big part of that is math scores. And uh, this leads to an interesting scene uh, and where we also kind of get to meet Carl for the first time. Yeah, um, what's the, the really crazy thing is, is Rico scored, what, 35% on his yep. math test? Mm-hmm. But yet, when Carl was uh, played by Neil Patrick Harris, aka Doogie Hauser, it's kind of like teasing him for that. And old uh, Denise Richards, what she scores like ninety-seven percent or whatever. But as we continue past that scene, and they're dissecting the bug, which we're about to get to, right? Or right. oh and, yeah. And here's the thing: Johnny Rico was really, really good at dissecting that bug. So, you know, kind of like math and science go together, like, you know, one and two. So I just wondered, like, why did he score so low? Maybe he was just just didn't care. Maybe he just did see all the way down the Scantron. And probably if I had to guess, I would say that Johnny Rico was better than math than his 35 percent. I love the use of the word Scantron. Thank you very much. You were quite well back. And maybe just a. uh and uh, what's the word when you when you got something that's like foreshadowing his, you know, later in the movie. So he had to score low in order to go the route that his character's meant to go. Yeah, I, I just took it maybe, you know, yeah, he's probably not the, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but 
he's more of a hands-on guy. Yeah. He, he's not a thinker. He's a doer. And he's not, he's not kind of turned off by a little bit of blood and guts. Um, as we'll find out later, you know, he's, he's dissecting one bug here and later on there'll be much larger bugs and he'll be covered in their blood, uh, to a greater extent. Right. And, uh, you know, a topic we don't really get to cover a lot here on the Bulletproof podcast is the Golden Girls. Uh, so I'm glad that we have this opportunity to talk about blind Rue McClanahan as the biology teacher uh, in just a, one of the most random bits of casting, I think, in the in the cinematic history. And is she – I can't remember exactly what her lines were in that scene, but if I remember correctly, she was like – she was giving us all this information about bugs and was it all – wrong in the end i have to go back and watch that scene yeah I feel, I feel like she's like telling us all this information about bugs and then we we find out later that none of that is accurate when it comes to these arachnids yeah and the only thing i want to add is uh thank you for being a friend both of you that's that's a touching tribute here during the holiday season <laughs> and you're quite welcome now the other thing I wish we had is when, you, you, you know, we talked about Johnny, he's, you know, all about this dissection, but Carmen's not having any of it. And I really wish uh, somebody on YouTube, anybody out there wants to do this, you could tweet it to us, put Vince McMahon's, uh, he's going to puke. I guess it would have to be she's going to puke. The Vince McMahon thing from Beyond, beyond the uh, Mat, uh, where he's got draws in his office and he forces him to puke in the garbage can. That's what I, I want to have that voiceover as Carmen's about to blow chunks. <laughs> I think that'd be a wonderful, uh, potentially viral video. Uh, just saying. And if I remember correctly, the, the Carmen puke scene, uh, I think they used like just smushed up bananas. Little behind the scenes with Jack Cruz. Behind the scenes. Now we get some more uh, f- uh, just kind of bearing uh, Johnny Rico's mental abilities because he's with his boy Carl. Uh, Doogie Hauser himself and uh, doing some psychic testing and, and Rico's horrible at that as well. But you know what Rico is good at RTG. He's futuristic football. Hell yeah, Chris, you know, it, it's crazy how good of an athlete our, our boy Rico is. He can catch, he can run, he can jump. And the crazy thing is he's not even the quarterback. Chad Cruz, would you draft Johnny Rico? I would draft the hell out of Johnny Rico. He's a multi-tool player. Uh, you, you want him on your team. He's gonna he's he's gonna run the ball. He can throw the ball a little bit. Like he like RTG said, he's fast. He's doing some crazy flips over people and shit. Um, there's one issue I did see watching him play, and that's uh, he's cocky. Yep. Issue two, he's distracted by his hot girlfriend. Because she is a little sleaze ball, and she is sleezing it up over there with the other players. Yeah, Xander, to be specific. Oh, what a douchey name! That was the moment I started to to, to hate uh, Carmen's character. Right, she's not you know she's yeah. not a, a very good person. And also the moment when I think I started to love uh, Dina Meyer's character, who's playing the quarterback. Yeah, and and she's a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, she's damn good. Uh, she's launching the – I don't know how far she threw that ball. And what is with this future football? So I think they're actually on to something here. Uh, when, you, when you watched it, whatever they're calling this sport here, um, they're wearing less pads than mm-hmm. 
than present day NFL, which I think is a good idea. And the helmets are different. There's no face mask or any of that stuff, which I think is also a good idea because uh, I, I think studies have shown with, with rugby that there are far less head injuries when you have less helmets and less pads because guys don't use their bodies as wrecking balls. So maybe they're on to something here. And I, yeah, so Xander is played by Patrick Muldoon, who is, is you know, doing his best to kind of wedge himself in between Carmen and uh, Johnny Rico. And I, I want to say, wasn't Patrick Muldoon, uh, and, and uh, no toy man would be the better one to ask, wasn't he also the one who came between Kelly Kapowski and uh, Zach Morris? I know he was on 90210. I'm not sure if he was on Saved by the Bell or not. I think, I think he was. Pretty sure he was. He was like the older boyfriend. Yeah, he was the older college guy who, yeah, you know, an immature Zach, and, and, and Kelly was wooed by him, I believe. So he has, what I'm saying is, he has established a pattern of being a jerk. Yeah, Jeff. Jeffrey Hunter. There you go. Multiple episodes, and he was he was a super douche then, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we you talked about Dina Meyer who plays Dizzy Flores. Um, she has the hots for Johnny Rico in a major way, and uh, we're going to see that uh, grow as this movie goes on. But uh, Johnny Rico uh, wants to enlist, and his parents are not happy about it. They want him to go to Harvard, which, uh, given his math scores, is somewhat laughable. Although I don't know, is this the same Harvard, or you know, are things different in this world? Well, in our current world, if you've got a, a bankroll, you can get into Harvard as well. Well, that's that's true. That is true. So it's enlistment day. Uh, Carl gets into military intelligence. Rico goes mobile infantry. And Carmen does get the fleet academy that she wants. And here, RTG, I know this is one of your favorite scenes where they make that special pact. Oh, it's, here's the cliche. You know, friends forever, no matter what. Even though Carl's probably like, this is the last time we'll probably see each other. But it, it, you see this in a lot of movies. You know, it's it could be two of them go one way, one goes the other, two good, one bad, whatever. But they make that, you know, that special that we'll always be friends no matter what. And then deep down, as we're watching, we all know that's probably not going to be the case. Well, yeah, I like that Carl kind of takes the logical approach of it. Like, what are the odds that this right. is going to happen? Um, but of course he's thinking logically and he's not thinking movie wise. Yeah. He's not thinking movie wise. And I don't think that Rico was thinking with the head on his shoulders because his parents were absolutely right. You know, he, he was basically dragged into service by this girl Mm -hmm. because she, you know, she was going to fleet Academy and she was going to be going away. And he was like, I don't know if he felt obligated or pressured or he was just really trying to get, you know, some Punani, but he, <laughs> he was like, all right, I'm doing it too. You know what I mean? And that sealed the deal. If you remember on that crazy prom night they had, um, yeah. that was the, the deal breaker there, the deal sealer, if you will. Um, and then when they make the pack, I mean, Carl, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Three absolutely different paths in the military probably won't intersect at any point, but, uh, there's, there's no chance in, in a film. I mean, you, you're going to find a way. Right. And plus they're going to war. So, the, you know, there's potential they could die. Yeah, a lot of people die in war. Right. So, I mean, so just that, even if they were all to get like going into the same thing together, the chance of all three of them coming out, you know, would be 
something there. But, you know, and I do like that we had another Saved by the Bell reference uh, RTG, whether you knew it or not, because I do believe Friends Forever is the Zack Attack song or one of their uh, fine hits. Maybe their number one hit. Yeah. Somebody, and, somebody call Casey Kasem. And you know what? This this film really is, to this point, is basically Saved by the Bell. Like, it's it's super cliche. There's all these characters, the jock, the, the, uh, the hot girl who's got the hots for the guy, but he doesn't see it. Cause she's kind of tomboyish. And then the girl, you know, like it's super cliche, yeah. but say by the bell, the Buenos Aires years. I, I, yes. I saw it more as uh, Beverly Hills, 90210, the Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires years, but yeah, e- either one. And yeah, I believe CVD was on uh, Beverly Hills, 90210. Was he not? So was, so was Dana Meyer. And I think he was actually on uh, Saved by the Bell as well as like a background character, a very young Casper Van Dien. And so was Patrick Muldoon. They all were on Beverly Hills 90210. They were all on Saved by the Bell probably. So, And the thing is, and you noticed, every single person in this city of 8 million, everybody's like the attractive person. There's right. no... There's there's no ugliness and no ugly no uggos. You got that right. Just like my hometown. All right. Moving on. Mobile infantry boot camp. Now, Chad Cruz, you've been to boot camp before. I have I've been to infantry boot camp. I was in the infantry in the United Did States. Did you have a drill instructor as cool as Sergeant Zim, who was played by the one and only Clancy Brown? Uh I did not. I had a drill instructor who was more badass than Sergeant. Oh. Did he challenge you? Challenge anyone to see who can knock him down? He actually did. It wasn't. It wasn't a who who can knock me down. He did a. Uh, we, we were doing some some ground fighting techniques as we called it back then. They, they call it combatives now in the army, but back then it was called GFT, and uh, basically just like a, a mix between kind of jujitsu and, and punching people in the face. And he put a challenge out there. Um. And he said, if anybody thinks they can take me, I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to put my hands behind my back. And somebody went out there and he beat the ever loving shit out of this guy. Well, that's what Breckenridge tried to do RTG yeah. uh, with uh, Sergeant Zim. And that didn't work out too well for him. Nah, he, uh, he got fucked up, man. His, his arm got broken. And then we hear that, that famous uh, medic. The first medic of many yeah. to come. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then who shows up late and decides she's going to try old uh, Sergeant Zim, but our good friend Dizzy, who purposely chose this uh, division because, well, she she said it because it, it was the best, but I yeah. think we really know why she was there, Chad. Yeah, I, we, we all know. Uh, I don't know if I have to say it, but she's trying to get Dick down pretty hard. Um, <laughs> she shows up, but she shows up like a boss, too. She shows up and instantly, immediately challenges Sergeant Sergeant Zim, which, and she does it quietly. Like she doesn't like, oh, I can take this. She just unzips her jacket and takes it off, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it is. You know, again, she really makes it easy to like her. Where it, Carmen goes the opposite way, where you slowly start disliking her more and more as, as the movie goes on. You love Dizzy more and more. And want yeah. to see her get what she wants and and, and do well in, in life. Uh, we also meet someone else now. Uh, Ace, Mr. Jake Busey, RTG. I know you love the Busey family. Oh, my God. Uh, the first time I saw this was, of course, in the movie theater. And just to know that Gary Busey's son was in it was probably the main reason why I wanted to see it to begin with. And 
uh, old Ace Levy, he's he's just that. Okay, so there's sometimes there's a character that's like too badass to survive a movie. Okay, so that would be, for example, um, Billy Billy Soul and and uh, Predator. Okay, mm-hmm. I always call it the Billy Soul theory. But then you also have another like kind of like almost like too stupid, like but in a kind of a cool way, like kind of too stupid to die in a movie. And, and that's where this, uh, where Jake Busey's character is for me, kind of like a, like an animal mother. And, uh, what's that full metal jacket? Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I see, uh, Mr. Busey, just kind of like this, this crazy grunt that, I mean, he's, he's badass, but I think it's that cocaine courage or whatever they're, um, <laughs> snorting up their nose in 21 in the year 2197 or something. I believe that's what this movie was set in supposedly, but, uh, yeah, uh, Busey comes out strong in this. I mean, he is he is on his game just like his dad. I'm sure his dad was probably on some coke pretty bad during. He might even came to the set. Who knows? They might even shared. They might have did a line together. They might have got Denise Richards over there. Wow. Oh boy, did lines of coke, man. Who knows? We're, we're just painting quite a picture here, aren't we? Uh, so Ace, yeah, Ace has you know high aspirations. I don't know if he has the skills to make them, but he he definitely. He's shooting for the stars, yeah, if he, you will. He's a schemer. Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, again, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out here as we go on. But Rico is not happy to see Dizzy. Um, I don't know why he he wanted to be on his own, and I don't know how her being there, uh, it's kind of just. That's, you know, Johnny Rico. I mean, I think we all really like Johnny Rico. But man, did he get it wrong with Dizzy? Because I think all three of us it would have been on that like from the beginning. I well, mean, you know, again, that, that's the, the classic cliche: is you, you want the girl you can't have, and there's one right in front of you, right? And, and you just totally ignore it. You, you know, this has played out uh, time and time again. Yeah, and he's. I, gonna... I can think of most recently I watched The Heavenly Kid, and that that was the same scenario there. I've never heard of that movie, but I, I'm gonna just. <laughs> I'm going to stick with this one. So I, I get what, what's going on with, with Rico. You know, he, he left home. He's far away from home. He went and said he had two options, go to Harvard or the mobile infantry. Okay. So he went with the, the, the hard route or the better route is what I would say. And he thought he was going to be out on his own for the very first time. His parents aren't paying for his way. They're not paying for him to go on vacation. They're not getting him into, into prestigious schools. He's doing it on his own. And then all of a sudden, his friend from high school, who he had always kind of avoided a little bit just because he didn't want that awkwardness, shows up. And, I mean, I get it. As much as I want to slap him across the face, I get it. All right. Well, they now get to play a little obstacle course action here in the uh, boot camp. And this is where we get a nice little scene, too, with the the knife through the hand. Um, Because, you know, how are you going to press that button to launch that nuke? If you got a knife in your hand, I mean, that's logical. And then we go to RTG's favorite scene in the film, (laughs) co-ed showers. (laughs) You know, okay. So he's got three pages of notes on this shower scene. No, no. If, if, if if you need a refresh on your drink, Chad, now would be a good time to do it. That's what anybody else, because RTG is about to go on to a 45 minute dissertation on nipples. (laughs) No, no, actually I was thinking to myself, you know, why am I on this episode? Which I think everybody knows I kind of like Casper Van Dien. 
And I remember that this is, we have a uh, co-ed shower scene, which I believe guys, this is the first one in cinematic history. That I don't think that's accurate because uh, Paul Verhoeven had a little co-ed action going on, at least a co-ed locker room in RoboCop. What they wanted to have a shower in the yeah, room. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we'll say, okay, so let's I'll pretend that it. it's not. Okay, so now as I'm totally screwing up what I'm like known Your for, notes. Throw throw that first page of yeah, notes out. You so got 10 more page, to go, though. Yeah, yeah, my first page of notes are out. Okay, so so you're wondering, okay, now why are they showering together? Is it? And I think the answer is the genders are actual. They're kind of like gender and in, inner gender. Okay, so like almost like the, the genders don't matter in the year 2197. That's why the girls and the guys are showering together. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that is kind of a step, even with with the futuristic football. I mean, you had a female quarterback, and it, it, nothing seemed odd about it. It was, yeah, there we're finally we're finally equals at this time. So it only took like two hundred more years. So okay, girls, if you're out there, you got two hundred more years to go. So that's kind of cool. And don't quote me on that. I was just being funny. But anyway, so we do get <laughs> or uh, attempting to be at least. Yeah, yeah, I was not funny. Uh, D- uh, Dina Myers, a nude scene is is very is is uh, very nice in this. And also, can you give have, us the timestamp for it, please? Oh, uh, it's about thirty minutes into the movie. It's, okay, it's, thank it's, you. It's, it's roughly thirty minutes in the movie. And also, I heard that. Um, the director, uh, Mr. Paul, and the whatever, they also were naked during the filming of this scene. Oh, some more behind so, the scenes. So to kind of get them, uh, to get the cast all, you know, because let's film a big old co-ed naked shower scene. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are going to be oh, let's do that. So I th- think it was actually Dina Meyer that said, hey, Paul, why don't you get naked? And so he just dropped his drawers and they shot the scene, everybody in the nude. What a pervert. And here's our opportunity to once again say that Chad Cruz on the regular uh, showers with his co-workers. Now, moving on. But does he ever shower with female workers? I, I would not think so. No, we do not. For obvious reasons. I'm too damn good looking. Okay. That, and, there was, and there was a maybe, we did get to see about four, maybe I think four naked females, topless females in this one. And I don't even have it in my notes today, guys. Like well, what we've seen them naked in. I think that I think that the main reason for that is I don't think that this film is littered with uh, playmates, former playmates. <laughs> yeah. So there's just less information out there. We don't have those those uh, dimensions, if you will. But we but we did get some uh, some bonding. You know, people were saying why they joined. You know, right. Yeah. They, they made it seem like it, you know, it was kind of, like you said, a bonding experience where they were getting to know each other and what better way to get to know somebody than, you know, standing next to them naked, which I'm going to call BS on this already. Okay. Here, here goes why simple reason. You don't have time for that kind of bonding and, and infantry boot camp. You know what we did? We would turn all the showers on and then you would, you would do it like a carousel. So you'd start on one end and you just walk around all the showers and you would just, you know, you'd soap yourself up as you, as you started. And then by the end you would be uh, rinsed off. So you had about, I don't know, 30 seconds worth of a shower and then you're right into the towel. So this whole, have a conversation tell me about your family situation. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid not. Hey, just one more thing about this shower. I think Dina Meyer really has one of like 
just a really great scene when they're like, why did Johnny enlist? Why did Johnny enlist or whatever? And, and he, and she takes off her, you know, she's mm-hmm. naked and it's like he enlisted because of a girl. And, and it's just one of those funny moments. And, and they're like looking at her, like, was it you, the reason why he, <laughs> you enlisted? But it just, she, again, she plays know, a little coy with that, yeah. that question. Right. Right. Just wait, I'm going to call, I'm going to call bullshit again later when there's like giant spider alien guys on here. Okay. Well, I can't wait. I'll write that down. All right. Uh, after the shower, uh, Johnny records a video message for his lady love, Carmen. I, I do like that they refer to this as writing. Be sure to write, and they're just recording. I yeah, mean, that's that, true. That, that, that kind of annoyed me, but that's all right. So he records a video message, and everybody behind him is goofing off and, and whatnot. And uh, this leads to our first look at Carmen at the Fleet Academy. And she's showing off, you know, she's got a little daredevil in her and uh, does have some quality flying skills, however, Chad. Yeah, quality in that she would totally not pass anything because she is reckless, is what I would say. Uh, But yeah, she, she, you could see like, you know, they're making her out to be this person who's like, she's not fearful. She's, she's, she just goes for it. And, and uh, her, she's instinctual when she flies, it appears. Mm -hmm. So she she's not like going by measurements like the, the computer is telling her like turn turn or whatever and she's like ah screw that and she just goes her own way and does her own thing um, and she's right up until uh, a certain point in the film but um, yeah I mean she she certainly has skills and then uh, and then she cruises in the other actress I can't think of her name the blonde do you remember Amy her Smart Amy Smart Amy Smart is a little friend who races her to the cockpit uh, and the cockpit is where she meets <laughs> her old friend, Douchey McDoucherson. Yes. Well, how convenient RTG that old Xander ends up being her assistant instructor. How's he an instructor at? He was just a, in high school a year ago. Yeah. Whoever would have thought, and I'll, yeah, yeah, here's the thing. Whoever would have thought, that old Xander, well, of course, we all would have thought Xander was going to be her instructor, of course, because he said he was going to go to the Fleet Academy. But And then again, all these people were just in high school, yet they all look about 30 years old, too. So another one of those uh, crazy cliches we see in a lot of these kind of movies. I think that's going to that's our actual future because all this shit that we're eating in our food, you know, uh, everyone looks like they're 30 when they graduate high school. But, you know, here's the crazy thing, guys. When I first watched this movie, for some reason, I thought Xander was, like, cool as hell. For some <laughs> reason, I liked his character a lot. I you got a Patrick Muldoon poster in your room at the time or anything? I, you know, I probably was big into 90210, and I guess I liked him from the show because he, he had a good little run on it, I think. And so did Dina Meyer as well. I have, Or, or I just like the assholes. Maybe. That could be it. And we also meet uh, Captain Deladere, I believe her name is, and uh, she's portrayed by Brenda Strong. I always found it interesting that Brenda Strong comes back for Starship Troopers 2, but is a completely different character. And, and, for, and for obvious reasons, yeah, as we get yeah. in there. But it's like there was nobody else you could cast. You had to bring Brenda Strong back. You could, couldn't get Casper Van Dien back for the second one, but you got Brenda Strong. Well, to be fair, that second film is one of the biggest pieces of garbage I've ever seen. It does have Ed Lauder in it, though. And uh, the other blonde chick who's topless, which is great. But Ed Lauder got topless in that? 
him. Yes, that's the that's who I meant. <laughs> Topless Ed Lauder. Someone Google search that right now. Google it now. Google search it. All right. Well, let's go back to boot camp, guys, because right. now we're going to play some extreme laser tag. Um, and as a result of this fantastic game, Rico gets his own squad, even though it was Dizzy who kind of pulled the strings there and, and made Rico look good. Yeah, she kind of quarterbacked it. It was kind of like Tom McGee getting that job because Bret Hart made him look good. To throw back <laughs> to our Stone Cold podcast, which is available in the archives. So yeah, we, Johnny Rico gets his own squad, um, and you know, so he's on top of the world for a moment, and then he gets the old Dear John video, and this is really RTG where. If you already weren't feeling a certain way about Carmen, you certainly are now. I mean, I, I can't imagine that when I first watched this movie, that now years later, that I'd be on a podcast trashing Denise Richards. But damn, am I going to trash Carmen? I mean, what a total, just a, it, it was ruthless. It was a savage breakup. It was pretty much... Uh, you know what, Johnny? Uh, our lives are going in two different directions. Uh, I got old Zant. Well, she didn't say it, but you knew what she was thinking. And she pretty much just gave that boy the boot. I mean, just what a... And and the thing is, is Johnny Rico had no... Like we said, he had no business enlisting. He enlisted for fucking Denise Richards, guys. And the worst part is there's no breakup sex. Quick question, Chad. So you said like the hot blonde gets naked in Starship Troopers too? The one yes. from like Nick Tuck? The one, the girl that was in Nip Tuck? Yeah, there's some some boobage in that. It's the only thing I remember about that movie. We know what movie uh, RTG is going to be seeking out as soon as this uh, podcast <laughs> yes. wraps up. If he's not already on Amazon right now ordering it. I was just hit send right now. Okay. Uh, so... He gets the Dear John video, and now we're moving into, now it's getting serious, because we have a live ammo exercise, and Breckenridge, who was the unfortunate soul that his arm broken by Zim early on at the first day of boot camp, is having a helmet malfunction, and uh, old Johnny Rico's like, give me that helmet, let me take a look at it, I'm your, your squad leader, yeah. and something very unfortunate happens, Chad Cruz. Yeah, uh, live fire exercises are, are no time to screw around, and... Uh... I'm not really certain what his malfunction was in his helmet. It's just a helmet. It sits on your head. Um, they were about four and a half feet away from each other. There's nothing that you couldn't communicate by hand signal there. But uh, anywho, it gives him a reason <laughs> to take his helmet off, and the big dumb country boy gets uh, gets shot in the face, and uh, it turns into like a, a Picasso painting or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Rico, being the squad leader that he is, Obviously, he, he, he takes responsibility for it. They say, what the hell were you doing trying to fix his helmet? You're not qualified to do that. He's like, oh, shit, you're right. I'm not. Um, and then he gets the beating of a lifetime. <laughs> hey, uh, just one quick thing. Uh, when Breckenridge was shot, the girl that shot him, they actually ended up falling in love, and they're still married to this day. Wow. A glutton for punishment. What what a story they could tell. Their, they've t probably told their children and, and their grandchildren one day. Be, I met your, your granddaddy after I shot him in the head. Starship <laughs> Troopers. And you know that, that actor that played Breckenridge, he always just plays like a big dumb idiot, like a big dumb doofus. Like, 
or like like a likable dumb doofus. I think he was like in like Major League Two or something yeah, like that. The catcher, yeah, Rube. He was just just a big dumb doofus, and this one he was. Well, okay, Johnny, I'll take off my helmet on this live fire exercise. Oh, a little bit of t- a little bit of typecasting there. You know the Major League Two character RTG appreciate this. He he uh, he had a hard time throwing it back to the pitcher, so he would memorize uh, the page- pages of Playboy. Yes. Yes. See, I knew there was a reason why I remembered him. There you go. There <laughs> Your you hero. Go. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, R- Rico gets the 10 lashes in front of everybody. Um, and uh, after that, he, he's pretty much, you know, he has a come to Jesus moment and he's going to call his parents, realizes he's made a mistake. The, the, uh, the woman that he loved dumped him via video message. Um, and he just wants to come home. So, but but as he's talking to his parents, it gets dark and the signal just cuts out. And then there's a just a huge commotion on the base. And we find out, this is kind of where we started at the movie, they're being attacked by by Klandathu. The bug peep, the bugs are coming uh, for Earth. And uh, Rico's hometown of old Buenos Aires is no more. Oh, 8,700,000 dead in, a, in an instant. But there's a bit of big theory could was it actually the bugs that attacked because how how could the bugs drop the bomb on um rio or buenos aires or wherever in brazil or just like the uh, 9-11 theater he's out there no i yeah yeah i mean there's there's so many theories for this uh this movie but pretty much based on because of the the novel that it's based on as well so there's a lot of um and plus the way everybody's dressed in this movie a lot of propaganda. So there's a lot of debate today, even from the director, even from people that watch the movie, you know, what kind of movie this is. Yeah. Uh, Cause a lot of people didn't pick up on the, um, uh, what is that stuff called when you, um, try satire? Make- yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, the satire. They just thought it was a, uh, very pro whatever. Paul Verhoeven is full of shit. <laughs> yeah. There you, you go. Listen to his commentary. He's like, oh, I was, yeah, I was totally thinking of that when I made it. He's, he's so full of shit. He didn't even read the novel when he made the film. He even said it was too boring. He didn't even read it. Did you um, read that novel when you were in the military, Chad? It wasn't part of our reading, but uh, I did have it. I bought it at the PX at one point, and it was in the military section, the quote-unquote military section. And uh, one of my drone instructors uh, caught me with it, reading it, and he told me to get rid of it. And I showed it, there was a sticker on it that showed that I was in a military section. Uh, this is a military section. I'm allowed to have military books. And he said, you know, it, get rid of it. Like, end of story, get rid of it. So I tore out the final 50 or 60 pages and shoved it in one of my manuals. And then I got rid of the book and threw it somewhere else. And uh, I actually still own it today. And, you know, the pages are obviously still torn out, but. I hope he's listening to this podcast right he's now. He's going to kick my ass. I have a friend that was that served as well, Chad, and he still has his copy that uh, that we went on a cruise, and uh, he was reading that cru- he was reading that book, and that <laughs> book was a uh, I mean I mean that book's forever ago, but yeah, you know, he served back in like a, like ninety nine ninety eight, but he he still had that damn book. It's crazy. I like the movie a lot more. Uh, Johnny Rico. Does not want to quit after this. Obviously, he has nowhere to go home to anyhow, and he's fired up. So he's back in business. It was a a very short little tenure there where it looked like he was going to leave. But Johnny Rico is back, 
And now it's time for the invasion of Klandafu. The night before, they're all kind of out and about, and we get Rico and Carmen and Dizzy all bump into each other, and it gets a little unpleasant, RTG. Yeah, don't we have a, uh, oh God, yes, this this is one of those like, you, you bitch, why'd, why'd you dump me moments? And it also leads to a sort of, would you consider this a barroom fight between Rico and Xander? I mean, yeah, it's probably as close to a bar fight as you're going to get here. I don't know what the... Uh, it's like a mall or something. Yeah, it does seem more like a mall or... Yeah. It's all that, you know, that mobile infantry versus fleet. and Right. And didn't um, Dizzy have the, the Izzy or whatever, and Dizzy had that uh, comment, like, you know, we they, they just don't mix or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and my and fleet don't mix. And it, and it isn't until... Rico sees Xander that he really kind of gets pushed over the edge because at first it's like a cordial, hey, how are you? Yeah, a little awkward, but yeah, it's not like completely. uh, Yeah. Then he dukes it out with Xander, who's an officer, and he tries to pull the officer BS at first, and then they they fight it out, and it leads into the old, uh, all their bloods boil in and their their BPs are up, and then they're like, let's get matching tattoos. Now, now, Chad. Did you or do any of your friends, when you were in the military, ever get matching tattoos? I don't. Not that I can remember. No, no. I'm gonna say no. I don't have any. I certainly don't have any cartoon pictures of uh, female cats on my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank. All right. We let's move on. Uh, so the mobile infantry they land on Klandafu and. The, the the intel on this attack was not good at all. Not good at all. Massive casualties. Actually, 100,000 people die in an hour. And at first, we, we believe that Rico may be among them because we really don't get a, a, a definitive thing there. So at this point, it's Bugs 2, Human 0 in this war. Uh, but then, for no... And, and, I think Carmen even looks up to see if Johnny made it and it said, no, he was killed in action. But then we just find out, no, that's not the case. He's in some kind of Luke Skywalker uh, tank being, being repaired, some sort of futuristic medicine. Chad Cruz, do you own one of these tanks? I wish to God I had one because when I had knee surgery last year, my recovery would have been so much faster, but, uh, yeah, it's a freaking bloodbath. And I believe that she Carmen uses the same computer program as she did when they did the math scores. <laughs> they yes. just like, they type in the name and it pops up like KIA, like shit. Yeah, she just didn't make it go full screen like Carl did in yeah, Flash. Like Johnny's dead. Johnny's dead. Ha ha ha. Yeah, no. Yeah, so now she is free to to follow her her loins towards Xander. Um which is good, which is good for her character because I don't care about her anymore. I'm done with her. But then we see Rico, he's floating in his little freaking salt pod or whatever it is. And uh, Dizzy and Ace show up and they're like flashing his like papers like, you're dead, dude. They're laughing at him. And then Dizzy plants a big old smoocheroo on the glass. Don't, there was no sign that said she couldn't, so she did. Yeah, and he, you could see his little water boner pop out. <laughs> All right, well, Rico, once he gets out of the, his uh, water boner state, uh, him, Dizzy, and Ace all join the Roughnecks. And who is their lieutenant? Mr. Rasak himself. He's back, baby. Michael Ironside is back. 
And yeah, I mean, it, it foreshadowed it earlier in the film when he was, you know, teaching Rico and he didn't have her arm, you know, <laughs> he's rubbing people with his nub. And then all of a sudden, like the first thing you see is this uh, pros- prosthetic arm and you know who it's going to be. You know, it's going to be Ironside. But boy, I mean, he's like a badass. And I would almost say maybe the characters may be based on like Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders back in the day. Mm. Chad Cruz, yeah, maybe. Sure, I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, Chad Cruz, you're the history history guru. I mean, that's that's what I thought, you know. The Rough Riders were a volunteer unit. I mean, they're, they're, he certainly, I think they took probably like, you know, they're taking like Patton and they're taking like all these bad, like, historical badasses and just shoving him into Michael Ironside. He's like Serpentor. He is the Serpentor of... of but the good guy Serpentor. Yeah, good guy Serpentor. Maybe bad guy. I don't know. He's Michael Ironside. He's probably... If you give him enough time, he would turn bad in a film, I think. Yeah, if he would... Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if Ironside's ever been a face an entire film. He always turns heel. Well, he he was a face the entire time this time, RTGs. Well, yeah, yeah, well I, I know. Okay, thank you. Moving on. Johnny Rico versus the Monster Bug. This You brought this up, RTG, early. He, this kind of foreshadowed in the old biology class. Uh, Johnny Rico versus this Monster Bug. Yeah, Johnny Rico, uh, this is a this is a key moment in his military career. I mean, he, uh, he takes out this bug like this... I mean, he uses what? Doesn't he use his like football skills too to take this bug out? He pulls some rodeo shit up here, so you know they're 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 uh, returning to an area that the bugs are they're not running around everywhere, but they're like you know dug down in the caves, so they're kind of uh, pulling these bugs out of these caves, and this gigantic uh, tanker bug pops out uh, that's the size of like three school buses, and. Uh, and Johnny Rico, you know, he has to make a command decision. He jumps on the back of this thing, blasts a giant hole in it, and drops a grenade in it like he'd done it a thousand times. And it works. And it, it, it gets him uh, promoted to corporal. Yep. And one of his, his first act as corporal is to name Dizzy the squad leader. And then we get a little party time action. We talked about this a little bit ago. Uh, the beer comes out, the, the neon violin uh and uh little some footballs and and they're just having a good time but nobody's having a better time rtg than dizzy oh yes this is one of the uh best scenes in the film and i ain't gonna lie just because it's a, a fun little sex scene with uh dizzy and uh johnny rico and what's even even funnier is old ironside walks in and, and catches you know tells johnny you get 10 minutes but he's like, who's that in who's that in your bed or whatever? And then like she pops her head up and he's like, ah, I'll make it 20. But if you guys remember too, like it was Ironside that kind of like yeah. pushed pushed Johnny. He's like, hey man, sometimes the best thing's right in front of me or or whatever. Some some quote like that. If you don't hit it, I will. Yeah, pretty much. He said, <laughs> Look, look, if if you're not taking her to your tent and you know, doing whatever you're gonna do. And I'm going to take her to my tent and show her my prosthetic arm and let her lick my nub or, or lick whatever. My nub. Nub. Lick my nub. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, it looked, and this was like, this was uh, Dizzy's dream. Like her life right now was complete. Like she got her man. And, she sure did. And if you can call it sexist or, or whatever, but that's, I mean, that was her goal this whole film. 
was to fuck Johnny Rico. <laughs> and she fucked the shit out of that guy. In 20 minutes or less. In 20 minutes or less. Cause she's like, 20 minutes? And he's like, we could do it. <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, he should have said like, like twice. Like we could do it three times, 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. Now Johnny Rico, after having his little fun time with Dizzy, uh, quickly becomes Sergeant Rico after the, I guess the communications guy was the Sergeant prior to this, but he kind of gets swept up and old Rassak says, he just kills him, and and he said, if if something like this happened to me, I'd want you to do the same thing because you don't want that slow, grueling death being like eaten by a bug. Yeah. So you know, we we kind of see where where his head's at, um, and yeah. So we get Sergeant Rico, and they get into this outpost, and there they find out that these bugs can actually get into the minds of the humans and control them, and this is how. Uh, they got this faulty information about the attack uh, because it came from what they believed were people on their side, but it was really the bugs that were controlling them. So they kind of make sense out of the, all of that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's rough there in the old outpost as there's just bugs surrounding them and they have to call in for a transport. And who would the pilots of the transport be RTG? Guys, guess who comes to the rescue? It's Xander and Carmen. I mean, whoever would have fucking guessed that. <laughs> so they show up, uh, but things aren't good here. Uh, we got uh, old Rassak. He loses his legs, uh, and, and we get that mercy killing just like he wanted. So Johnny Rico follows through, but then Dizzy. Mm, this wow. is this is a rough moment, Chad Cruz. Yeah, it's a it's a brutal moment. It's a shot to the heart here. I mean, this whole scene, this whole outpost uh, portion of the film, it's like the Zulu, you know, British Zulu battle, uh, which the name I can't remember right now, but it's hardcore and they're surrounded by just thousands and thousands of these bugs. Uh, uh, Ironside goes down, the shuttle's there and they're boarding it and everybody's running to it and it's just, it's complete chaos and Dizzy just starts getting taken out by these bugs. Yeah, well, she like she takes out one of the bugs and, you know, she, celebrates uh, momentarily, and, and, and that costs her. Yeah, it's like one of the tanker bugs pops up, and she she does like the quarterback throw again, tosses this grenade into its mouth, blows it up. Yeehaw, and then everyone turns. They get just enough time to scream, Dizzy, look out, kind of thing, and, and she gets uh, stabbed several times, and... You know, she gets to die in the the arms of her of her love of her lover, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, you know what more do you do you want in life, RTG? Do you want to die in the arms of your lover? I mean, she look. I mean, she had like the quote like, <laughs> or in the arms of our Casper Van Dien. Yeah, I mean, she had the quote. <laughs> it was something like, "It doesn't matter. I got to fuck you, Johnny. All yeah. all's good. I've I've lived my life." And and remember, it's just like I like can horror movies. It's not the sex that kills the kids; it's the distraction of the sex that kills the kids from the slasher. And in this one, when Dizzy does die, I mean, she was probably on that high from a uh, fucking Johnny, mm-hmm. and so she was distracted and she wasn't at her best because she was one hell of a soldier. And if she would have been on point, she probably would have survived. But she had that Johnny Dick on her mind, and sh- that's it, man. And I'm gonna tell you, this is this is kind of a 
a lesson for everyone, especially the the younger listeners in our audience. Yes. Uh, set your goals very high, mm-hmm. um, because you know she had a, a very specific goal, uh, and she achieved it. And it's like after after that, you know, she was just like, okay, um, you know, she was all right with dying. Where I don't know, you should always kind of have a. Uh, maybe a list of goals. Maybe that's where the whole bucket list thing comes through. Right. Right. And you think about Rico really had no goals uh, other than Carmen, you know, Carmen's little right. wet, wet hole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But in, in one day, in one day, Rico goes from nobody to corporal to Sergeant to Lieutenant. And it's all because he, he got that load out and he had nothing <laughs> holding him down. He was ready to rock, man. He had, he was just like, just, he was like Matthew McConaughey, like, all right, let's do this. And then boom, he's promoted several times. Yes. And yeah. And, and I also like that they shot, you know, they gave Dizzy the funeral and she's shot into space, Mr. Spock style. Yep. But so, yeah, you brought it up. He's now Lieutenant Johnny Rico because we're going to go back to yeah. Klandathu. This time, though, we're coming. We we know what the hell we're doing. We have a much better plan. Carl's right. involved, and they're going to go get the brain bug. And everybody knows the brain is the most important part of anything. So the brain bug is there. It's now not just the roughnecks, but it's Rico's roughnecks. So yep, they kind of gave it an extra little gimmick there. And uh, But it gets kind of personal. It kind of comes full circle because... Carmen's ship is shot down and they land there in the, in the heart of bug city, her and her good friend Xander talk about, let me tell you <laughs> that destruction of that ship and that scene. I mean, that, that was chaos right there. How Carmen and Xander even managed to escape. Oh, I, I know why they managed to escape. Cause it's part of plot, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, deep deep analysis there rtg thank you but yeah i mean the the captain's uh death was pretty good when the the door or whatever fell on her and she's like that's an oh, uh, get away from it. very like, dramatic oh. very and but you know what it was so dramatic they brought her back for the sequel <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. so now chad cruz yeah rico has a whole rescue mission aspect of this yeah, he's going in for something different. Their 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 job, as Carl put it, is to capture the brain bug. And uh, as he's down there, he starts to kind of get this. He has like this uh, intuition, right? This lover's intuition, and he starts thinking mm-hmm. like, "Uh, something happened. I heard, I heard her ship go down." And you know, his buddy Ace and this other dude whose name I can't remember is like, "Hey, man, she's gone. Like, we got to continue on with the mission." Uh, but he's like, she's down there and she's alive. I know it. So he, uh, he, whether this message to him, this intuition is coming from something internally or if it's coming from MPH, we don't know, but he takes two of his buddies who are, I mean, the three most, uh, crucial members of the entire company and they go off on this secondary mission which is crazy who's leading the group of the other soldiers i don't know but well apparently it's, apparently it was zim uh, who we we find out after the fact but like uh, like johnny didn't even realize that zim was there he like <laughs> took a demotion and suddenly at the end zim like i didn't see zim the other whole time until the very end you would have thought that he would have stepped up but... i feel like it almost reminds me of the uh here's a here's a nice obscure reference for everyone out there yes 
WrestleMania five, the day before they had a, a foot race and Mr. Fuji like started off, but then he like took a cab or something to the, to the finish line. That, and, like yeah. you didn't see him. You didn't see him for the whole like middle of the race. But then at the end, he just pops up. That's Zim. Zim is Mr. Fuji the day before WrestleMania five. Thank you. That was, was that making fun of like, was the Boston marathon or whatever, where that lady did that and she won it. And they're like, hold on. It probably second. wasn't, oh, you know. Yeah, she cheated. Yeah. Yeah, she cheated. You know, the WWE was very topical. Big time. But yeah, so so Johnny and his boys go after this and, and they're on their way down this cave. And then the shot kind of goes over into this cave with Carmen and Douchey Xander, who somehow survived this crash and are now surrounded by not only a bunch of arachnids who want to kill them, but gigantic, uh, floppy, loose-lipped brain bug. And uh, Xander gets brained himself because he, he gets the like a spike to the head and just sucks his brains right out. So That's he's great. dead. It's great. Um, and Carmen, same things. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, and again, that kind of goes back to, to what RTG said with the whole, the horror movie aspect where, you know, there, there's purposely characters in those movies that you want to see die. And I think uh, Xander fills that role nicely in, in Starship Troopers. Uh, the same thing's about to happen to Carmen, but that's when Rico does show up um, and uh, gets her out. And again, this is shortly thereafter. You know, he's like, okay, well, now we got to worry about the brain bug. But there it is, what we just talked about. Zim, Private Zim, mm-hmm. captured the brain bug. And then it happens, RTG. Carl, Johnny, and Carmen are indeed Friends Forever reunited. It's Bayside Forever friends forever and they all get to live happily ever after for at least another couple days till they film their propaganda videos for this war on the bugs but we did learn that the bugs were scared well yeah and that's definitely i mean yeah they definitely kind of set it up for a sequel because the war has not ended it's just they now have a valuable piece of information right uh that will be able to help them defeat the bugs ultimately but uh, so yeah this thing was was perfect for an actual sequel but instead it kind of got that direct to video bit and was not not a good follow-up but i don't you know let's not uh let the sequel take away from from this film which is you know again I, like you said chad going into it you may have had one idea but when it was over you had a completely different idea of what this movie was Right. And I, I remember seeing the trailer for the first time and at, at the theater and be like, holy crap, I loved Aliens at the time. I was just like obsessed with it. And I, I'm pretty sure that the trailer had the song from Blur played over, you know, like the woohoo, Baron, Baron. Like, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing because I love that song. And uh, yep. I have to see this film. But I watched it on opening night. I probably saw it theaters three times. Um, and and I wasn't disappointed. I mean, the movie is awesome. It's super fun. Like, there's a lot of cliches in it, but that what do you expect? Um, it, I mean, you I you could take a magnifying glass to this film, and and you could say all kinds of shit about it. You know what I mean? Like, why are they using World War One tactics on a planet that has no actual natural resources? Uh, I don't know. Why are they going into caves like Vietnam instead of just blowing the thing to bits? I don't know. But 
you could also. Yeah, I think you just said it. They could have used a giant magnifying glass in the sun <laughs> and just burned the bugs. That's true. But you know, there's also like, like, like RTG was saying earlier. There's the whole political satire part of it, where you know Verhoeven's. You know, it's essentially like this Nazi, like this Nazi party had won, and now like everybody has to wear these uniforms that are stupid and. Everybody, you can only be a citizen if you serve in the military. And I don't know. There's like a lot to this movie. You know, but something that's that's kind of cool about this film is, is yes, there's all this. You could have got into these pol- political discussions or whatever, but we just had an hour podcast and we just pretty much ignored all that and talked about like the action and the fun part of Starship Troopers. And wet hole. And, and, yeah. And wet hole and uh, co-ed showers and... And really, yeah, too, like, like, just like Chad said, like when I first saw it, you know, we'd pumped up, pumped up, go see this in the movies and really like rewatching this for this podcast. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot to still like about this movie. I mean, I guess our, all, all three of us can agree that, you know, Denise Richards is terrible, but as far as everything else, I think we, uh, I think we all, I would say we all had a pleasant time revisiting this am i am i correct i i would agree with that statement absolutely uh definitely was like a, a star making performance too for casper van Dien. like you you would have thought he would have had a lot more theatrical releases after because he's very likable as the hero yeah he's got a great chin um uh, i love this movie it's it's probably like top 10 like one of my favorite films of all time it's not the best but it's one of my favorites and part of that mm-hmm. goes into came out of my birthday and I was already obsessed with it before I saw it. And, and I saw it in theaters multiple times and all these connections, you know what I mean? Like I, I joined the infantry, like for God's sake. So like, there's like a lot of things that happened to me. There's a lot of movies that you could, you could plug into my lifeline, my timeline and be like, Oh, these all had some sort of subconscious effect on me. And this is probably one of them. I mean, I did, I mean, I got married to Denise Richards, you know, shit. You want? What? Yeah. Oh, I, blood? What? Wait, you guys didn't know that? No, we've been insulting your we've been insulting your wife this whole time. Oh my god, we have. Oh, I feel like such a jerk. You know, I I was I couldn't remember the the terrible movie. It was not really that bad, but that I've been kind of watching, trying to finish. But it's that airplane movie that you watched um, with uh, Edge. Money plane. Uh, money. Yeah, plane. She, she's she's in there briefly. Yes. Yeah, she's in that briefly, and I was I was like, oh god. You know, because I was kind of watching Money Plane, but then I had to go back and watch this. And I just, when I saw Denise Richards in Money Plane, I'm just like, oh, man. And then when I saw her in Starship Troopers, I'm like, oh, man. But then I'm like, you know, maybe I should just find wild things and watch a couple scenes in that, you know. But, I mean, she's still good, okay, guys. And as much as we trash Denise Richards, I still like her in Wild Things. And I still like the little <laughs> quotes like, can I play or is it only for boys or something like that? That she said to, to Matt Dillon, like, that's, that's still cool. But everything else about Nice Rich's career is pretty much shit. Shocking that RTG is a wild things fan. Mm-hmm. Um, not shocking is uh, that RTG has, has worked his way into some uh, podcast guest spots. Uh, RTG. I know you'd like to, to throw some, uh, plugs and some shout outs to some of the things you've been appearing on as of late. Yeah, man. Uh, for some reason, people like booking me for, uh, it's not my talent. I guess I'm just on air. And I've recently just this week, I mean, I'm sure this podcast will come out a little later, but 
I had pod two podcast drop in one week. Uh, I was on this uh, podcast called the Cineflex Pod. It's by a really cool, co- really cool guy named Ethan uh, Colburn, and we discussed uh, Days to Confused for about an hour, and we uh, we drank uh, amaretto sours. What, what he does is like, hey man, pick a movie and pick a drink, and we'll uh, discuss it. And I had a really good time on that one. And then also went on uh, old Rob and Max uh, cinema uh, drunkies, action drunkies. Whoops, did I just totally just... Yeah, you ruined the plug, but go on. Yeah, so my friends at the um, action drunkies, they had me on to to talk about Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which was... Duh, Andy Stairs. Yeah, your area of expertise for sure. And I went back and I was was driving home from, from work and listening to myself on that podcast and I actually did pretty good on that one on old Ainge Sedaris. But, uh, yeah, man, man, I've been, it was, it's kind of cool when you can go on a podcast and talk about like movies that you really know, really, really know, like days confused, man, my God, I've seen that like 60, at least 60 times. And it, but also what well, I've been on the Michael Scott's, um, Atkins podcast. Um, now I think we talked about, I was on the exploding helicopter podcast. Um, I'm do I'm doing Brett and Ty's podcast. We're gonna talk about video stores. That's that's coming up pretty soon. So uh, yeah, I'm staying busy. For some reason, they like having RTG on, even though I'm an asshole. So it's kind of cool. And and of course, everybody can keep up with where you're gonna be and what you're doing at uh, Twitter at Real Todd Gaines. All right. Well, I will be uh, participating in a Geekscape special, a 15 hour live streaming event on December the 12th. Dear God. Uh, proceeds. It's a, it's a charity event. It's going to Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I will not be on for all 15 hours, uh, but I will be on. So you can stay tuned to uh, our Twitter at uh, Bulletproof Pod, and uh, you should get some details on that. So it's kind of going to be uh, the first unofficial live Bulletproof podcast in a way. Uh, we'll be talking about the top five Christmas action movies over there on Geekscape. So again, it's a a charity gimmick and uh, we'll have more details on our social media again at Bulletproof pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof action on Facebook and Instagram. So looking forward to that. And I think we've done just about everything we can do here. Uh, Thank you gentlemen for participating in this starship troopers discussion. We'll be back again later this month. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 